Hey there, welcome to The Tint. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. Okay, before I begin today's piece, let me preface it by warning you that it contains the usual complement of profanity, obnoxious sentiments, occasional backhanded comments, and a lot of opinion, which some may find utterly offensive. I feel you, uh, but you've been warned, and you can go back to lower stakes media like TikTok or whatever and get your rah-rah drivel quotient there, okay? So here we go. So, like every hobbyist, I spend a lot of time dreaming and scheming about new aquarium setups. And one of the beautiful things about this kind of imagineering, okay, I stole a Disney term, is that you can venture into all sorts of areas of the hobby, including including ones which I, you know, in my case, I might have relatively little or even no experience with. You know, stuff that you wouldn't expect from Mr. Tinted Water Guy, like Ambuna tanks, Stifagon Gobi habitats, Libera tanks, whatever. The beauty of doing things like these feasibility studies, as I like to call them, is that I can imagine design, shop, and scheme without ever spending a dime on spilling a drop of water or sourcing the equipment I need to use. I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> I actually get distracted easily, as you know, when it comes to aquarium stuff. So there's a lot of stuff going on when I when I plan a tank and. The goal is not to get into the loop of analysis paralysis and never make a move simply because I'm still planning. Yeah, I've seen a lot of guys do that and their tank sits empty and collects dust and cobwebs while they're contemplating. You know, that kind of thing. We've we've probably all done that before. Yeah, it sucks. You see, like many of you, my imagination, my appetite and enthusiasm are often larger than my ability, time or means to get the job done. I've concluded that to do all of my crazy concept tanks and ideas, I probably need like 17 to 20 aquariums of all shapes and sizes, many with technologies and components that wouldn't carry a breathtaking, you know, they would carry a breathtaking price tag if they even existed at all. And this is after all I've eliminated some of the early front runners like the intertidal pipefish, you know, mangrove tank, the Amazonian waterfall tank, the monospecific Acropora microclados tank, the Nothobranchius temp, you know, temporal pool with rain. Ask me about that mud hole idea sometime. And others that are earmarked for some indefinite future date. So I kind of have this personal thought about ideas. They're really worthless. I mean, really. I know it sounds a bit harsh, but let me clarify it a bit. I mean, if you're not going to do anything with them, they are just sort of nice things to have, maybe inspiring, but you do need to act on them or they're just theoretical, right? Worthless. I don't want to keep theoretical tanks. And I realize that there are limitations that we all have space, time, money, etc., and that these temper many of the ideas from being executed. And I suppose that this is part of the reason why I've changed my thinking about so called nano sized tanks over the past few years, because their smaller size and ease of use helps you rapidly iterate from idea to complicated system quickly and easily. I've had a lot of fun with them lately. One of the best things about what I do here at Tannin is getting to help people fuel their dreams and their ideas. It gives me a lot of pleasure to see you people enjoying the hobby and motivates me to do more on my own. And of course, when it comes to you know time to do my own tank, I have to weed through all of those crazy ideas, some of which challenge me in ways that I hadn't even considered. Some are just fun to play with. Others launch me and maybe even Tannin into entirely new directions. Those are the best ones. Okay, so maybe not all ideas are worthless, right? Well, People ask me all the time, what's your next tank? What are you planning? Well, here are some of my personal tank ideas that are going through my mind lately. Here's a few. These are my freshwater ones only primarily. So here's one I come up with. I've probably even mentioned this before, but 
What about a good old-fashioned guppy aquarium? I mean, seriously, like lately I'm having this flashback to my childhood when I would spend hours and hours looking at my dad's guppy tanks. My dad was a guppy breeder. And um, I was just obsessed with the whole idea of, you know, crystal clear water, number three grade aquarium gravel and water sprite. Oh, and some cool guppies, like a mix of strains and color varieties that would cause any serious guppy breeder to run screaming into the night. What are you doing? You're going to create hybrids, whatever. I have no idea why I'm longing for this. No wild guppy toe, you know, guppy biotope bullshit is going through my head. No high concept guppy tank crap with, you know, driftwood going out of the water or whatever. Just a simple tank filled with a jungle of water sprite, a couple of pieces of petrified wood, gravel, and yeah, guppies. Total throwback tank. Maybe a modern twist would be to include some planted aquarium substrate underneath the essentially sterile number three gravel, but that's about it. Yeah, clear water, crisp white 7,000K LED light and all that stuff. Love the idea. Although I admittedly pause and wonder how long I can enjoy this tank before I become, well, kind of bored with it. Who knows? Well, moving on with the whole live bear thing, what about a wild live bear aquarium? Now, this is sort of closer to the type of thing you might expect from me. Perhaps a tank set up to replicate some of the South American ha- or Central American habitats in which you'd find wild live bears. Maybe a mix of uh, mix of substrate materials with sand, silt, and some gravel-sized materials, a few small stones, and perhaps some plants like Sagittaria or whatever. Not an exact biotope, like fuck that, because no, we're not doing exact biotopes here. Uh, n- you know, but more of my biotope-inspired approach. Now, what live bears? Well, maybe sword tails or perhaps endlers, although I've done an endlers tank recently and it I have to admit it got a little boring after a while. What about OG black mollies? A little bit of salt. Well, I'm a reefer for God's sake. I'm going to have salt and maybe a few, you know, brackish tolerant plants. I, I don't know. That could be cool for a while, I suppose. Maybe even something more unusual like Pocelia picta, that so-called swamp guppy. I've kept those before in brackish. They're pretty cool looking. Um, or, or some sort of other less common ones, like this one called the Tiger Teddy, Neoheterandaria elegans. Like, what the fuck kind of name is that? The Tiger Teddy. But anyway, it does kind of have a tiger pattern, and it's interesting. And it is really tiny, and it can tolerate soft water better than most live bears, so that kind of makes it cool. Or what about the porthole live bearer, which is Pociliopsis gracilis? It's about as dull-looking as a fish as you can imagine, which I guess is part of its appeal to me. So maybe wildlife birds, I don't know. Oh, and then there's this other one lately, Embuna. Okay, this idea has been floating around in my head for a really long time. Um, we're not talking about shellies, you know, the shell-dwelling cichlids from that reef lake down the road, so to speak. Even though I'm kind of obsessed with them, or at least their habitat, that is. Um, the fish themselves, I have to admit, are, are a little bit boring, if you ask me. I mean, faint gray stripes on a silver fish in a tank with white sand, gray rocks, and tank, you know, tan-colored shells is a little too monochromatic, even for me. But I'm thinking smaller species, uh, the Malo- Lake Malawi species, like Pseudotrophia salosoi, uh, Pseudotrophia assei, and the much-loved Labidochromus carellus would be nice. I'm thinking... A group of a few males of each to get maximum color and display and minimal, you know, minimal aggression because we have a sort of semi-crowded, like maybe four or five males of each of those species in the 50-gallon tank. Crowded, but not super, super crowded. I just water change the shit out of it every week and employ some reef gear like maybe AI Nero or Ecotech Marine Vortec pumps for water movement, something like that. I mean, we have naturally hard alkaline water here in Los Angeles, so keeping a high pH is pretty easy. 
I've had friends do this type of tank with all kinds of cichlids and it's just gorgeous. Really colorful fishes over a background of aragonite, sand and grayish rocks. I mean, yeah, I could totally get behind that idea. I, I don't even think I'd get bored of that after a while, to be honest with you, because I think it would just be a kind of a nice foil for my reef keeping and my you know blackwater aquariums is something completely different. What about, since we're talking about marine, what about marine macroalgae? You know, a marine and macroalgae tank with like nine and dragonets or maybe pipe fishes. Okay, I've loved that idea for decades. In fact, I did execute on that in 2005 with seagrasses and I loved it. I played with it again in 2021. I spoke about macroalgae and seagrasses at MACNA way back in 2009. That's the Marine Aquarium Conference of North America. I was probably a bit too early, really. The idea hasn't really caught on until very, very recently. Unfortunately, the idea of sterile looking high concept macroalgaes, a la nature aquarium style bullshit, is becoming trendy in the vomit inducing way that I hate. So fuck this idea for a while. Actually, now that I think about it, I think I'll wait to play with this idea again after people start ignoring these kinds of tanks again. I know my attitude sucks. It's just that I hate doing stuff and sharing it and then having people tell me, oh, dude, did you see such and such as tanks on Instagram? They're so rad. You know, the drivel-esque polar opposite interpretation of what I do, you know, and, and then people go on and say, you should try one just like he did, at which time I would most definitely vomit. What, my rather eco-diverse natural looking version isn't any good? Come on, right? I know, regardless, I still have a long running healthy obsession with seagrasses and macroalgae. I love the calcareous macroalgae, Halamita, perhaps the least trendy of the macroalgae in this new dumbed down high concept artistic macroalgae trend renaissance that we're finding ourselves in now. So maybe there's hope. Maybe it's time to do another off trend tank just to piss everybody off or bore them or whatever. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I know that a few fellow old, crusty, treacherous reefers like me might appreciate that, you know, if I drop a tank like, you know, that just to sort of shit on the scene before it gets too awful to tolerate. God, I've become a complete a-hole in recent years. I get it. I know. I understand. I'm sorry. But, well, since I'm at it, have you ever put your nano tank on a turntable? If you're one of those people that does that, I've seen that on Instagram lately. I, that has got to be the stupidest absolute stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life in aquarium keeping hands down having your tank rotate around and round that is why don't do it just don't if you do it I don't want to talk to you seriously that's just stupid okay oh you know what speaking of macroalgae though here I'm going back and forth there is a guy doing it right in the macroalgae space a guy in Japan who goes by the handle Ixtarium on Instagram his work's really amazing oh and our friends Inland Reef and Aficionado both who we've talked to and had on the show before they're positively crushing it with their own natural interpretations of sort of rich macroalgae mangrove habitats so you check them out give them the love they deserve those guys are doing it right that's super cool stuff okay deep breath scott Get, stop trashing everything see what you ask me opinion stuff i always start trashing okay what about rocks like literally just rocks not sure what it is maybe it's the reefer in me again i don't know i have this big desire to do a tank with just rocks no plants no wood, no leaves, not a just rock. Now, what's the reason for this newfound fascination for rocks? Like, perhaps it's the angst built in me after, I don't know, 18 years or so of playing with just leaves and twigs and botanicals and sediments and stuff that makes an idea of a tank filled with rocks just sort of, I don't know, fascinating to me again. And what kind of fishes would I put in a rock tank? Well, sure, Embuna for one, but there's other fishes like gobies, danios, perhaps some loaches and barbs. For that matter, swordtails or some kind of geophagus or Central American cichlids, maybe. I don't know. A tank meant to replicate some version of a rocky pool, a stream, or even a river could be super cool. And 
just a bit different for me. Maybe I could toss a few token branches or twigs in there. Maybe not. Yeah, I ditched selling rocks here back in, I think it was 2020. I cited the fact that rocks are generally not associated with the types of habitats that we play with here. They're, the reality, however, is that when I started Tannin in 2015, I wanted to embrace natural aquariums. And that concept can embrace multiple genres and multiple materials, including rocks again, right? Yeah, I think so. More on this later. Check this space. Okay, what about Danios? Now, I've been talking about this idea for years. I've written about it, had podcasts about it. A tank created to replicate the wild habitat of the zebra Daniel. Yeah, the humble fish of my childhood. Yet, one which I feel gets no respect. Now, I'll be the first to admit that dedicating the entire aquarium to this little fish is a bit, I don't know, different, right? Yet there's something about the idea that I find super compelling nonetheless. A conventional square or rectangle-shaped tank is not what I would think would really work here. Rather, I think a long, low aquarium would be best to really you know, help facilitate their swimming and their activities, and it would work well. Yeah, I could devote an entire 50-gallon tank just to them, could I? I, I don't know, you think I could do it? I, I'll be honest, I'm not 100% certain. It might be a bit of a challenge mentally. I mean, it might be nice for a while. Part of the charm of this fish is that it's fast swimming and it has that schooling behavior. And to facilitate that, I would need a long, shallow tank. That would be best. Now, can you imagine a four or five or even a six foot, you know, tank, maybe 16 inches, which is what, about 40 some odd centimeters high. But these fishes may be nice and wide. Yeah, bottom of mixed sediments and some gravels, some smooth stone, perhaps some rice plants or acarus, perhaps a scattering of random twigs, a little bit of water motion. That could be really cool. That would be interesting. So maybe that would be interesting for a while. It's sort of a higher speed environment. And maybe it wouldn't even be for zebra. Maybe maybe for other Daniels. See, I'm all over the place with this. Now, what about my other idea? A substrate-only display. Imagine a tank which has absolutely no rock, no plants, or no driftwood. Just a bunch of sand or other substrate. Perhaps an interesting mixed-grade substrate, but only substrate nonetheless. Now, I've done leaf litter only. Um, I've done botanical only and twigs only substrates for years. I've done that. I've shared that with you. Um, we've seen it. It's cool. It, work. it works. Um, and what about just sand? No, I haven't done that yet. Talk about negative space. This idea would require a very focused, mentally shifted or twisted, highly dedicated Aquarius to pull it off. I mean, we're talking about the only real vertical relief in the tank that would come from the fishes themselves. The key would be coming up with an interesting mix of materials and grades and colors to really make it work. Oh, and a more shallow, longer tank again, in my opinion. And what kind of fishes would you keep in such a display? I kind of wonder. I would imagine that you could keep bottom-dwelling fishes like Corydoras or gobies or blennies, perhaps even eels or loaches. I suppose some schooling fishes could work here too. I mean, would you go with relatively dull monochromatic ones or super colorful ones? I, I wonder how the fishes would react to being, you know, out in the open all the time. Would this be cruel or stressful? Would it result in more protective, tighter schooling behavior or tight shoaling? I, I don't know. Or would it facilitate some natural behaviors among fishes which swim in open waters? You know, butterfly fishes that are surface predators, arowanas, whatever. I wonder though, are there fishes which preferentially inhabit open water areas over vast stretches of sand and nothing but sand? There must be some, right? I mean, if so, they're likely fishes that are either really fast swimmers or predators, I would think. Or am I simply overlooking? 
this, something about it. I mean, it's essentially like a bare bottom breeding tank, an idea that's been used in the trade for decades. Just this time it's permanently set up for an allegedly decorative purpose. The fishes would probably, well, the fishes would absolutely be the focus here. And then there's those geographic replications too. When I contemplate, you know, turning east to Africa, I get pretty damn excited at the possibilities. Of course, the blackwater habitats and fishes of Southeast Asia and Africa are calling to me, but with some of the setups I've done with Brackish, I've already sort of riffed on those locales, you know? So part of my mindset tells me, well, dude, you're sort of already there. Just stick to your South American theme. You know, I love it. You, you love it. It's you, it's whatever. And then my mind flashes to cribs. It's the first cichlid that I ever bred when I was like 13 in a two and a half gallon tank. I never forgot that. And of course, the African cichlids. And the idea of killifish in a community aquarium that starts dancing through my head. And those tenopoma, always tenopoma, ornate tenopoma. Well, that would be a cool fish. And yet the lure of the Amazon is almost too great for me to resist. Like it's just the freshwater region that I identify with the most, everything about it, but there's always room to work. But I guess it just does work for me. Now, when it comes to these crazy ideas I'm sharing with you, those are just some ideas. We need to act on our crazy and not so crazy ideas whenever we can, because it's hard to allow one of your ideas to just shrivel up and die without ever being executed because you're afraid of criticism or concern about doing it or whatever. For those of you taking on your ideas and pushing into new territories, new frontiers, move forward bravely. I love it. Take comfort in the fact that you're trying. Take comfort in the fact that your work may inspire others and it's in its own little way, perhaps change the aquarium hobby. You're not foolish and your ideas aren't either. Everything we do helps advance the state of the art of the aquarium hobby. Each new tank, no matter how awesome we or the world think it is, gives us an experience, ideas, a chance to fail, a chance to succeed, an inspiration to do other tanks that perhaps bring us closer to the idea that we've originally had in mind. And it can influence other hobbyists to do the same. I can't tell you how many times I've done a thing or things which were based on some idea, some inspiration or some thought that I had about how to execute an aquarium, which may not have gotten me there right from the start, but taught me all sorts of things along the way, ultimately arriving where I wanted to be, but it always starts with a concept or an idea. The idea can lead to a more fleshed out execution, bringing in other elements, other influences, until it gradually emerges into a more polished configuration and ultimately leads to the execution of the idea that we had in mind when the journey began. Now, often an idea will start based on something we see in nature, perhaps an element of, or a habitat that we like or an element of a habitat that we like. Perhaps it'll dovetail with some sort of hypotheses that we had and lead to other executions to prove out the concept. Often it's simply a way to see if we can work out a concept, a way to push things forward. One of the things I enjoy most about tannin, uh, and I know it'll be the same with, with other things that I do, is to look at things the way they are, you know, the way the hobby has been doing it for a while, for generations, and question why. Not for the sake of being an arrogant jerk, which I mean, some people might might think that I am at times, I guess, but not for being an arrogant jerk, but in the spirit of questioning why we do stuff the way we do. Is it because it's the best way or because that's what worked well with the prevailing skills, set, knowledge, or equipment that was available at the time or that the idea was first presented to the hobby and we've just sort of accepted it as the way ever since, even though all of the backstory which led to this unwavering acceptance of the practice has long since changed. A practice or idea that may have been appropriate or an optimum 30 years ago may be woefully outdated now. I mean, it still works, but there's better ways now. 
Accepting ideas, practices, and techniques in the hobby just because we've done it that way forever is, in my opinion, a way to stagnate. And in all fairness, an admonition to change things just because is equally as detrimental. Rather, it's better to simply look honestly and boldly at how and why we do something and ask ourselves, is this really the best way? Is it really necessary? Is it a practice we should keep embracing? Or is it time to rewrite the code? I think so. It's a simple thought with powerful implications. Every observation we make on all sorts of aspects of these botanical method aquariums helps us move the needle a little bit. With a you know, growing number of hobbyists experimenting with botanical materials and all sorts of aquariums and enjoying you know, improving fish health, spawning, etc., it's getting more and more difficult to call it a novelty or a fad. I mean, nature isn't exactly a fad or a trend follower, right? She's been doing this stuff for eons. Well, we're just sort of catching up and beginning to study, contemplate, and appreciate what happens when form meets function in the aquarium. And that's pretty exciting, isn't it? Until next time, thanks for listening to my rambling and my insulting commentary and sticking with me. Stay engaged, stay curious, stay dedicated, stay observant, stay open-minded, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman from Tannin Aquatics. Thanks for being part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on that next installment of The Tin.